So education and learning to me are not necessarily the same. Because mm. education in the sense when I think and when I hear education, I'm like, you're going to go to this classroom or you're going to go to this, this course. Learning is more about um, life yeah. and books yeah. and experiences and can be education, but yeah. you don't have to be in education to learn. Yeah. Before we get into this episode, I know you've been struggling with the idea of starting your own business and launching a premium product that you know is gonna transform lives. So I have a bomb resource for you. The man himself, Words Taylor, is going to help you launch your product or service for the clients who need your help right now. Now you can't call yourself a business owner unless you are getting in front of new clients every single day, and Words knows exactly how to do that. All you have to do is tap in so he can teach you his six-figure launch strategy that's produced over $5 million in client sales. So all you have to do is go to HighTicketLaunchSecrets.com. That's HighTicketLaunchSecrets.com and get into the free training. It's happening this week. So go to HighTicketLaunchSecrets.com and let's get into the episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Work and Play podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Young, and I have a really knowledgeable guest. You like give me such wise vibes. <laughs> and she's here with us to one, share your story and your experiences and your knowledge with us. Miss um, Bianca Hughes, how are you? I am, I'm just kind of okay. No, I'm just half tired, half asleep still, but yes. otherwise I'm doing well. I can't well, complain. You know, most people just say, I'm good. I'm like, no, I'm half good and half, half asleep. That's why I'm <laughs> glad you is, like that. I was telling you, my niece woke me up at 5.45 this morning. Mm -hmm. So that is very unusual for a single woman to be up at 5.45 <laughs> on a Saturday. Well, it depends because, girl, I wake up about 5.30. Do you? Yeah, I try to do every day 5 o'clock, but... Um, you know, I let my, my body wake up when it's supposed to, and it's typically between like 5.30 and like oh, 6.30. Wow. You're amazing. <laughs> but you know what? Because, and you know what? This is kind of, you did this. You did this on, you did a nice little spin because you gave a very authentic, matter of fact, you haven't even introduced yourself. <laughs> I was say you gave a very authentic introduction because in, in your podcast, it's authentic, um, living your, it's about living your, being your authentic self. But we have to know who you are, so yes. feel free to introduce yourself, love. <laughs> um, so my name is Bianca Hughes. Um, I tell people I am born and raised in London to Caribbean parents um, and have lived in Atlanta for the past 15 years. Well, America, I've only lived here. Um, so I always like to tell people that I identify first culturally as Caribbean, then British, and then there's a sprinkle of some American culture because I think I've been here long enough. Um, and then that's just me as a person, and I love all things authenticity, being authentic, um, vulnerability, and just, you know, being all God called you to be, mm -hmm. um, which is not always easy, but um, not all sunshine and rainbows. But, and then um, because of who I am and because of all the work I've done, that's allowed me to connect to my gifts and my callings. So wherever that is, my main role is a therapist, um, specialized in perfectionism, helping people embrace their imperfections and authentically be themselves. Um, whether that is also my role as a speaker, like around mental health and perfectionism, or my role as a podcaster. So those are pretty much the roles and almost going to be author. I'm working on a perfectionism guided journal. 
Um, and so, yeah, I think that's enough roles. <laughs> that, that, that is enough, Rose. You're also an auntie, which is why you're yes. a little lethargic this morning. Yes, yes. The four-year-old and the three-year-old. Yep. Yep. So we have many roles. And I think the challenge that we all experience is trying to live our authentic self in a world where, like, sometimes living authentically can be a cliche, but even still, we don't always do it right. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so to speak. Whatever that means. Right. Isn't that funny? Like, in te- so... As you um, share your story, when did you become, um, when did you become, when did you develop a relationship with authenticity? Um, You know what? Someone asked me this um, not too long ago. And my answer was, I feel like I have in some way been authentic, always been authentic. So I always tell people, yeah, it was on another podcast and I was explaining that the Caribbean culture are very honest. Now, I'm going to put the first part first. They're very honest. They'll say what they have to say, even if you didn't ask, right? Mm -hmm. But they're not always going to say it very lovingly. Mm -hmm. It's very blunt. So I think that, although I love it because I know where I stand and I know they're going to speak their mind and I don't have to worry if they're hiding. I was just sidebar when I came here and I realized the Southern culture was not my life. Much like that, that was very hard for me. Um, And so I think being in that environment, you pick that up. Mm. And so I had to even learn, like, Bianca, your opinion is not always wanted. If someone didn't ask for you, you don't have to give it um, and things like that. Um, But I'm just honest and I know the value of people being honest because I know what it's like when someone's not being authentic. That's very uncomfortable and it's very not safe. Yeah. Um, And so I think in terms of definitely pursuing it more and pushing it out more was definitely in grad school, um, mid to late, mid to early to mid thirties when I went back to grad school to study for counseling and just being um, in counseling and also probably even before that, just building my sense of identity and worth and learning to set boundaries and, you know, because I, I would be that person that would want to, especially if you, I looked up to you and I respected you and I'd want to please you or impress you. So it wasn't always who I w- wanted to be. I, rem- I do remember often sometimes trying to be with the cool people, mm-hmm. um, but they weren't my people. And so having to learn that, oh, the fly wants to join us. So <laughs> right. having to um, learn that and, and work through that and and ask myself those deep questions about what do I want? Who am I? Is this me? Are these my people? Is this my tribe? Is this Mm -hmm. truly who I am? Mm -hmm. I think that just helps me to live that life because I always say authenticity is not a destination. It's a journey. Ooh, that's a fact. Mm -hmm. That's a fact. When you you say um, being authentic feels safe like when when you're around people who aren't authentic it doesn't feel safe Mm -hmm. what is your like um definition of like feeling safe feeling safe um I would say uh, it's kind of like I I wouldn't I don't know if it's a feeling but it's kind of like more of that trust so it's more of um I always give the example of Tell me that I got ketchup on my face. Mm-hmm. Don't assume 
that I know I have ketchup on my face and that I can trust that you will have my back to tell me I have ketchup on my face. I would trust you to um, come to me if there's an issue and not just hide it um, and say what you have to say. If I did something wrong, said something wrong, um, and that you also have my back, not just in front of my face, but behind my back when I'm not there. Yeah. So I think knowing that or when you're going to ask someone, oh, yeah, it's okay, or yeah, it's cool, and I'm like, that's it? And they're like, yeah, but they really have something else to say. So I'd say it's more of that, um, not so much the feeling, but observing, and especially observing how they treat other people. Yeah. I mean, if a person can't tell you you have ketchup on your face, then can they really catch you when you fall? Mm. You know what I mean? Oh, I love that. Yeah. I, when I hear you explaining it, I'm like, that's a perfect connection to the smallest things really helping you understand, like, who's got my back? Mm-hmm. And like, and, and you, it starts with ketchup, mm-hmm. but then you, you watch mm-hmm. people's actions and then it kind of mm-hmm. tells you whether you can trust them or not. Yeah. <laughs> and then also if they're authentic too with themselves yeah. and they're being honest and authenticity comes into that being honest with yourself, being mm-hmm. vulnerable. Can you take feedback? Can you listen? Mm-hmm. Um, can you do that? You know, I always have this conversation with my friend and she said a few years, maybe a year or two, like you, it's really hard to be in a relationship with someone who's not authentic when you have become authentic because you're like, you know, there's something they're holding back, which is their choice. Um, but that doesn't mean you have to be in relationship with them. That's a fact. Because then at, the, at that point, you're dishonoring yourself. Mm-hmm. If you maintain a relationship with a person who's not authentic, yeah. you're essentially just yeah. living in their fairy tale world yeah. when you're around them. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So we both um, align in like the fact that we were in corporate. Yes. And we both took a, a leap. We yes. both took a leap like in our, old, in our later years, which a lot of people don't have the courage yes. to do. Yeah. Um, I want it. So my mind is going in two different places. So, and oh. I know you can like you're the, you're a therapist, so you can you can we <laughs> can bring me. it all the way around. What's it like being in a space? So I feel like everybody doesn't get a chance to live authentically in corporate. Mm-hmm. There are pockets, mm-hmm. so I can't say all of corporate is mm-hmm. not authentic. But what's it like being in a place like kind of looking at the way people function and maybe don't even um, identify that they're living inauthentically? Um, you mean as a therapist when I see clients coming in or just in general? I'm, I'm saying if we go back to the days. When I was in corporate? Yes. What does that look like? Um, so corporate for me, of course, started in England. Um, so, gosh, what does it look like in corporate? I think it's... Um, you know what it is, which is sad? I think there's a lot of fear. Mm-hmm. And fear that you'll lose your job. Fear to speak up and say something because you didn't like something or you need something or you want to raise. Um, and you're also in this box because you have to act a certain way and be in a certain way, especially if you're a black person mm-hmm. um, and you're you're adjusting to these cultural norms and these cultural norm, norms and cultural rules that you are not used to and that you are not wired to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think 
there's that fear if I step outside of these norms outside of this culture will I lose my job will I not have any money so I think not being authentic is having to adjust to the cultural norms of a workplace that are not your everyday and everyone's like because I was reading something really recently I, I don't remember what it was and the comment was like well that was just not professional and then they were saying you know just when you get to work you just have to hold in all your emotions and I was like who does that you're now asking that person to be a, a, a robot mm-hmm. and not a human. And I think that cultural norm, that cultural expectations that people can't have outbursts at work or be emotional at work, is uh, you're at work eight days a week, eight hours a day, five days a week. How could you not have some emotions? How could you not have an outburst? How could you not? Right. And so I think that is all of that, those expectations um, in the workplace that you're now meant to be a robot is, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. I mean, your experience in in London, um, in corporate, Mm. overseas, is literally the same experience that I would say like I had over here. And I would even say like, you know, I was a bit naive, but I was trying to find myself in a corporate space. Mm. There were times when I was a bit too trusting. I probably didn't look for, I didn't have cues of trying to find, mm. like I didn't know. And I think this is interesting for you to, like for me to even think about as I'm talking to you. I don't think I knew that I wasn't safe. I don't think that I even had cues of like what safe felt like for me. And now I'm in corporate. Girl, I was trying to make friends in places where I had enemies. I was divulging my like deepest, darkest thoughts, you know, on 30 second, 30 minute breaks. You know, I'm telling leaders what my dreams are and they got nothing to do with corporate. You know, I was trying to find myself. Yeah. And so as you were talking about like your experience, um, and those like expectations and um, just navigating all of that. Mm. It's interesting trying to find your authentic self in that environment. Yeah, it is. Um, especially when you're dealing with a whole bunch of different cultures. I remember coming here. So my company that I came here with is a European Swiss company. And they, and then the people I worked with were in Europe, so then you had, but you have people from all different countries, so whatever, so you have the Italians, and then you have the French, and then you have the Swiss, and then you're in America, and then the people I worked with were Americans, and then there were certain Europeans, so you have a whole bunch of, not just um, workplace norms, you now have cultural norms, mm-hmm. and then I'm a black woman, and I'm in this position, and they didn't like this, or if you say this, and then complaints I remember having a complaint made about me and it was like well she said this and I felt really like well you do this and everyone complained but no one asked me about my side Mm. it was just like this was how we do it and Mm. because these people complained and said something it was like well and and the expectation well you could stop doing this or you could stop doing that and I'm not saying I'm perfect, but it was always, that always stung me because I was not asked. Well, you know, I was just told you have to change versus, well, what was this about? Mm. 
The top three responses that I get when I ask, why do you wanna leave corporate America? Are that you want financial freedom, you wanna own your own time, and you wanna build a legacy for this generation and generations to come. Now, this is not a solo job. In order to transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship, it's gonna take community and it's gonna take resources. And I've created the community of pioneers who are going to wrap around you and help you make that transition successfully. So if you're interested in leaving your job, go ahead and click that information below. Let's get into the community and let's transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship successfully. Now let's get back to the episode. But, you know, I don't feel like people in those environments have the emotional capacity to mm. even know what questions to ask. Mm. I realized when I went into... I don't know. We have to talk about it. Because when I left, the reason I decided to go into social work was because I didn't feel like there was enough empathy in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And because lack of empathy breeds, like, just ignorance mm -hmm. about your own emotions, much less mm -hmm. someone else's em emotions. This is the what then cultural mm -hmm. norms. This is how things are. And then I think there's a form of ignorance somewhere where I can't even think about how to put, I can't put a finger on it. They only know one way to, to solve problems and they're mm. not necessarily solving problems. They're just, yeah. What you, do you feel like they have the, I, 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 yeah, I do. You feel like they have the capacity. They do have some capacity. I believe you have to you build said, the capacity. You said, do they have the capacity? Yeah, I do. Because the capacity sure to learn. Not. I'm, I don't think they're always like that at home. I think you'd be surprised. And I, so we're speculating, okay, right? We're speculating. But I, <laughs> <laughs> but I think about the conversations I had before I became um, mm -hmm. my authentic self. Yeah. And so before, if a friend of mine were to ask me, and I'm thinking outside of work, right? Her friend of mine was having a pro an issue. We're gonna stay on the surface. We're gonna talk about the job, how it sucks. We're gonna complain. Mm -hmm. We're going to point fingers, we're going to put the blame on somebody else. We're not gonna get to the deepest, darkest like issue. Before you were authentic, you're saying? Before I was okay. authentic. And then we also weren't hip to like, okay, well, what's the other person's perspective? Whatever, mm. what happened? What's the real situation? Immediately you go, oh, that's my homeboy, that's my homegirl, I'm on your side, they're foolish, you're my, 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 um, you're my ally, like, mm -hmm. so the, the way that you're like, if someone wants to be a problem solver, the way that you're talking about, like, well, let's get Bianca's side and now let's get your side and let's conflict resolution this thing. I think that's a, people have the capacity to learn that, but I don't think everyone's operating that way in the corporate space. Uh, yeah, I don't think they're operating that way, but I do think they can. Mm -hmm. I, I, I would agree. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because you can just tell. You can tell some, even sometimes when you go into some workplaces and you go into some stores and you just like, because mm, that trickles down from the top. Mm -hmm. You know, they complain about people in the store and I'd be like, that stuff trickles down from the top and it creates the environment mm. of the workplace. So whether it's the corporate going all the way down, the corporate office going all the way down to their store. Yes. That is the environment. Um, but I do believe it can be, anything can be changed. I agree. So I think we are in alignment <laughs> yeah, with them. <laughs> you don't have to be, but yeah. No, I, yeah. no, I, at first, it took, sometimes it takes <clears throat> yeah. for us to disagree to get yeah. to a place. And that, I've appreciated relationships that, that bring friction because yeah. then it helps me understand the real thing. Yeah. Right. So yes, we're here now. Yes. So one thing I, I, I am so I love the therapist side of you. Like if I, when I watch your when I listen to your podcast, 
authentic when we had our first conversation authentic you like and then even I'm blessed that you be, you've become a therapist because I've been able to bless other people with mm. just the one or two tools that you've given me I remember I told you I had that conversation wow about, so I, that. I just want to First, put a pin in the fact that I am super grateful that you became oh, a therapist you. and that you took that leap. Thank you. That absolutely. That leap. Yeah. Let's Are we talk about, about the leap. Let's yeah. talk. <laughs> Let's talk about the leap. So, um, oh, gosh, do not ask me years because I can't remember. I just know I graduated six years ago, which is 2015 from grad school. So that's 2015, and I was there. So yeah, 2013 I started. So in some years now so um so it was probably 2013 so 2012 so it's probably 2012 I decided I kind of knew maybe before that a year or two I'd been saying I want a new job I want a new career but I didn't know what and I just felt stuck mm -hmm. um didn't know what to do I did know that whatever I wanted to do that I would go back to study that wasn't an issue I just didn't know what and I didn't want to move from where I was working in the travel industry and not know um and so around 2012 and 20, 2011 2012 I started volunteering and because um, I figured, well, let me just volunteer in different spaces. I ended up being um, a volunteer at Wellspring, which worked with a lot of women in, um, that were, had been sex trafficked. Um, and then I also had a big sister, a big, a little sister. And I was a big sister, with big brothers, big sisters. Um, funny enough. Yeah, she's super big now. She's about to have a baby. But um, oh yeah. Um, and so... In doing that, and then that same year, 2012, I ended up being in this mentorship group with other women and just all the teachings and all the things we learned. So just being in a lot of prayer and, and things like that, reflecting, asking myself, okay, um, you know, what do I enjoy doing about my job? And what do I feel like I'm good at? And, and what kind of brings me joy? And asking all those questions and just reflecting on the skills that I already had um also the experience of also being and having some counseling some um spiritual counseling i it, it, it eventually came to me so it probably took a year mm. yeah it probably took about a year almost a year and then i decided and i looked into schools um and so i looked into schools i was going to go to georgia state i was i did not look at any other schools i was adamant i was going to go to georgia state um what was it about georgia state um, they just had a counseling program mm. and it just kind of resonated with me. Okay. And so, and I really didn't, hadn't found any others at the time. So then mm -hmm. around that same time when I was getting ready, like the September, October, um, to do the, what's that test that you go take to get into grad school? Oh, GRE? Yeah, GRE. Mm -hmm. Nightmare. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> then in that October, um, my company, um, um, so it's been already started in August 2013. And then my company came in and was like, we're closing this office. Ooh. So that kind of impacted me. That was like, oh my God, financially. So it was like in October and you were going to be done at the end of October. Thankfully, they extended my time um, to the end of December because okay. they needed me to do some stuff. Okay. Um, they had offered me employment, like, they offered me employment to move to New York. 
to the New York office. Okay. But I was like, no, I'm not going. Yeah. Um, I'd already made up my mind and knew what I was doing. They even had like one of the top CEOs that was lived in another country to come. He happened to be there. It's like, come on, can we go out and, you know, go and talk for a bit? <laughs> and he was trying, he was like, listen, they just want to tell me, but, you know, what do you want to do? And I was like, I'm not, I'm not leaving. I'm not going. He's mm-hmm. like, okay, cool, no problem. Well, you know, they just wanted me to try and keep you. No. And um, I was done. So thankfully, um, and this is just, I just really feel like I also wanted to be where God called me to be. And this is definitely it. And I think following and trusting God for me, um, just put things in place. Um, so I got a great severance package. Um, actually they wanted to pay me less money because of the time I'd been there. And then I had to remind them why I also was working in London. And then that changed. And I was just glad that at that time, you know, I was able to begin to speak up and advocate Advocate for yourself. Mm -hmm. So by the end of 2012, but then I had the whole of August to start and I'm like, what am I going to do for work? Because it didn't really kind of make sense. So I started working for a friend part-time um then wellspring where i was volunteering um they had jobs part-time work so i applied and i got a part-time position so i'd work one day a week and every other weekend it was like the perfect job and then i started school um oh so step back i did not get into georgia state okay and i cried i cried i cried Mm. Um, but I just knew this is where God wanted me to be. So it did amount to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I remember calling a friend. I was like, I'll just trust him. And when I was actually doing some training with Wellspring for this job, um, at the time I first started PRN. Um, was PRN? Um, just working when, when, as and when needed. And so um, the, the two therapists that were training at the time, one of the directors and then someone else that was training was there and they had gone to my school richmond and they told me about it that day and i looked it up and i was like oh my god this is expensive and i was like no i'm still gonna apply to georgia state so then when i found out i didn't get in i finally remembered about richmond okay i went to the campus and i was like this place is so small (laughs) i'm not gonna so i went in there but i loved it i had a great interview me and the person there and i was like no this is the place and richmond is also faith-based so not only did i do the clinical aspect i also had spiritual um, classes so anyone with the christian faith I can also incorporate that into mm. counseling too. And that is coming to handy because clients absolutely love that factor. Yes. So it just all worked <clears> out. <throat> and I started back in August in 2013. Um, I did a two-year program. Most people do three. So it was super intense doing six classes a semester. <sighs> yeah. And you were like part-time at Wellspring? Yeah. Or PRM? Yeah, I was part-time. So I'd work once during a week and every other weekend. Mm-hmm. And then doing... Six classes. Mm-hmm. It was Eesh. it was super intense. But had I done three, I don't know, I would have stayed. And then, you know, we, but the last semester I didn't work. I stopped working. I just couldn't do it. Because mm-hmm. um, you're also doing internship. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, 2015 I graduated. Okay. And I think... 
the whole process of Richmond was amazing. For me, it's life-changing. Um, that's when I really got into clinical counseling, seeing getting my first counselor. So yeah. it wasn't just you were becoming a counselor. It was also about you changing as a counselor mm. and preparing you. I always say, like, you go in there, you think you're good, they tear you down, then they build you back up. Right. Um, but it was, it was an amazing experience. Um, so graduation day, it was on my birthday, it happened to be on my birthday in 2015 in May. And it was one of the best days of my life. Like, I have some good days, but that was like super, getting your, I don't know. I felt good about getting my, my bachelor's, but I don't know. There was something about the master's that was just so powerful. And it wasn't just the master's. It was like the counseling. It was like, this is what I've been called to do. It was literally a milestone right before you said, I know there's more. When you were incorporating, like, I know there's more. Mm -hmm. You started on a journey to find what more was. Mm -hmm. So graduation day yeah. is like... I didn't think about it like that. It's a pen. This is, you've been trekking on a journey yeah. to figure that out. And you now are, have established yourself as a therapist. Yeah. So when you go back to like, the first thing you decided to do was go become an, a volunteer, right? Mm -hmm. What were you looking for in that experience? Like, what were you intentionally looking to get out of that experience? And what did you find out about yourself that told you you were, what um, your next thing to do? I think I kind of <clears throat> had an idea, perhaps, I wanted to work with people in some capacity. Mm -hmm. uh, I knew I wanted to make a difference in people's lives mm -hmm. um, in the sense that travel is cool, but it ain't making no lasting difference, okay? It's great, mm -hmm. but it wasn't as impactful. And so I would pick, I picked those volunteers because they were working and helping people. And so in working and helping people, um, that kind of just, that, that's what I knew was okay. I wanted to make an impact. Okay. And you said, where, where do I find people to help? And Volunteering. That's what I did. And I volunteered. So you could volunteer in a you know an animal shelter, but that wouldn't have been helping people because to you, me. Yeah. yeah. So that That's was good. that was very specific about that, yes. and then in that just discovering skills like, um, I definitely a wellspring. Um, it, there was mentoring there. There was encouraging. There was like discovering listening skills, <laughs> um, being a mentee with my big little sister. Mm -hmm. Again, um, listening skills, um, listening to her or listening to her grandmother when there, wherever there was an, you know, a situation or an incident or anything like that. And so I think those are some skills that I, I learned. Um, teaching, like I definitely would call myself an educator. I, you know, can break down and teach. Um, definitely working around mindset and teaching people. So I definitely know that's a skill. Speaking um is a natural skill of mine so you're just actually that no that skill to educate um was somewhat in wellspring because i would do some bible studies but i think the most of it actually came from my role as a pole and dance teacher instructor. what mm -hmm. you were teaching pole dancing yeah i did <clears throat> when did i start probably early when i got here so so maybe 2008, so maybe for about four years, but encouraging the women and things like that. And I would have to break down and do classes and break things down. That's how I knew I could teach. That's cool. Yeah, that was where the skill came from. And actually, I'll be honest, I really feel like actually 
doing that was when I learned about most of my skills that were good for this role as counselor. Really? Yeah. And people would always say that you just have this natural, they always would say, I like you because you always have this natural thing where you really care. Mm -hmm. Same thing my clients say. They know I care. They know I'm interested in them. They know I love what I do. They know I'm not just doing it to do it. And I think... I think that I I wish everybody could find that that thing that they care about, the thing that they naturally gravitate towards, the thing that they're passionate about. Um, but you do really have that mindset because I had to. I had that mindset that I was whatever I was going to find, what I was going to do. I was knew I was going to go back. I was prepared to go back to school to study mm-hmm. if I had to. Yeah. Now that's a, that was a, a, a interesting part of your story as well. <clears throat> There was some you told yourself, hey, I'm, I'm willing to go back and study whatever it is, because at, at this point you've been tooling to like be a, a corporate professional. And then so you were like, I'm going to have to relearn some stuff. I got these natural abilities. Yeah. Now, do I, how do I hone it? What made you decide school instead of like start a business, for example? Had you thought about starting? No, never thought about starting a business. That's why, because I think my mindset, even now that I have my own business, Mm -hmm. (laughs) my own (laughs) private practice, I, if you would ask me, I would have said no. I would have been like my own business. I would have been, I can honestly say I would have been scared. I wouldn't know how to start, what that would look like. So no, having my own business was not what I said I wanted but when I look back, one of my friends always says, she's like, you always used to say in classes in grad school that you didn't want to. I always said that I didn't want to work a lot because I was tired of working in corporate mm-hmm. and I knew I didn't want to sit at a desk all day. Yeah. But I didn't realize what I was saying was really like, you know what, girl, you just need to own your own business. And now knowing who I am. <laughs> And the kind of person I tell my friends all the time, oh, girl, I would get fired on the first day if I went back to court. I would get fired. I don't know what I would get fired. I said, I, I would get fired. Girl. I would get fired. <laughs> I don't know. If I go go clean someone's house to make some money. <laughs> it, it was, it's, you just not going back. It, Look. And, 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 you know, saying those things, <clears throat> sometimes you say things, but you don't know mm-hmm. what it will look like. Absolutely. And how it will show up. You just step out. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, I deeply believe in God. I deeply trust God. And because I knew God was like, do this, I was mm-hmm. like, okay. I'm going to do this. And Mm -hmm. I think you have to have that. If you don't believe in God, if you want to believe in the universe, you have to have a sense of peace to say, this is what I want to do. Because you can have both. You can have the peace and you can have the fear. Mm -hmm. But what is is the thing that's grounding you? Because you can have the peace to ground you and then every step you could take could be fearful, but you remind yourself, but no, this is what I'm meant to be doing and I'm going to still do it. Yes. You know, you were led by a purpose. Mm. It wasn't particularly to become an entrepreneur. Mm-mm. You were led by a purpose. It just so happened that you're living your life yeah. through entrepreneurship. Yeah. Gosh, this is so good telling. Like, <laughs> you know, sometimes like you, 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 people say, oh my God, you're just so amazing. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But as I'm sitting here, like I'm always trying to, 
I don't know why I'm fine back with tears. Oh my God, my clients, if they saw this, they'd be like, you tell us to cry all the time. But as I'm talking to you, I'm just listening. Oh my gosh, it's so powerful. It just so sounds so brave and so courageous, like what I decided to do. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it was the purpose. It was the purpose. It was the will that I followed mm. and everything else. And, and, and let's not say it fell in place perfectly, mm-hmm. um, but it fell in place. place. There is, <laughs> we on the road. I remember <laughs> I tell people like about six weeks before I was about to graduate um, from grad school, I was like, I quit. I just was like, I, I was so tired. I was worn out. I thought I did. For a moment, I was like, I'm just gonna watch Netflix. And I did. And I, I was like, okay, what do I need to pass? Because you are not getting an A from me. You will get a B because I'm tired and mm-hmm. I'm not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, they've changed kind of the policy at Richmond too. And they've been showing more, talking more about self-care. Okay, good. Because it is an intense program. Mm-hmm. It's a very good program though. Um, like the ther- I'm biased, but the therapists for the most part come out very prepared. Um, but I had a situation when I graduated to May. I have no more money in my account. <laughs> June, was it June was coming or July was coming? June or July, one of the months. And um, so I graduated in May, so it's probably June. Thank you so much for watching the Work and Play podcast. This episode is sponsored by the Boss Up Conference, which is a community for entrepreneurs, CEOs, celebrities, and corporate executives to come together, network, and solve some problems. Thank you all so much for being supporters of the Work and Play podcast. And thank you for watching the Work and Play podcast and all the episodes before. Now let's get back to the episode. And I had a mortgage to pay. No money in the account. Mm-hmm. I, I went on food stamps. I met... And I want to tell people this, like I'm a graduate, I have a master's degree and I had to apply for food stamps. Yeah, yeah. But I was quite happy to apply for food stamps. I was like, well, I've paid into the system. I need to eat. I had no shame. Girl. Like, you know, some people are like, I can't believe. I was like, you know what? I'm thankful for food stamps, right? And so I had to apply for food stamps. So at least I was eating. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I just remember saying, you know what? Because, you know, you want to hold on and you want to control. And you're like, all right, where am I? And it was like I'd started this job, but I knew I was going to get paid a lot. And it just wasn't going to work out. So I said, you know what? Forget this. I said, God, you see these bills. You see what make it happen. Mm-hmm. And so what ended up happening was I have a second bedroom. has its own bathroom. And I just put it, had put it up for Airbnb. Nice. And so I ended up getting these guests that wanted to stay for a month. And I was like, okay. And they were from the Czech Republic. Funny, I'm still in touch with them. Mm. And they were here for a three-month program to do lifeguarding. So they stayed for the month because where they was, was a, they didn't like it. And then we said, okay, we'll see how it goes. So they stayed for the month, loved it. Ended up staying two months. Oh. So I'm here worrying about one month and God is providing for three. Girl. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like. Oh. Follow your path, follow the perfect, your passion, and just trust that the provision will be there. Yeah. Gosh, I'm, I'm preaching to myself too. And listen, we have to. You are, um, you can't teach that. You know, like as we, 
as we do, as we make our own transitions, we do our best to reach back. And I love working with my clients because we're, I'm talking about the, the heady stuff, the mental stuff that we can do to prepare mm -hmm. for the transition. But there comes a time we have to trust that your, his will will be done. Yeah. It's already done. Yeah. And you have to be able to trust that. And like you said, if you don't have that grounding, mm -hmm. then the work that we're doing is going to fall flat at some point. You yeah. might, you might walk that tightrope as yeah. long as you can, but it's going to yeah. come a time where you have to trust. Yeah. That you do. Get, yeah. Yeah. And it's a constant trust. It's not, oh, now I trust and now I've got to trust again. And then it's mm -hmm. easy. Like it's like that right so then and this is what people don't know so you graduate <laughs> i just want everyone to know this <laughs> then you have three years supervision to get fully licensed yeah so you have some limitations <clears throat> on the work that you can do and how you work and how you operate mm -hmm. and so um so that is next <clears throat> right and so of course, I'm, I'm working in a, in, a, in a hospital and I am doing private practice. Um, you know, the hospital I've got, cool, because that's where I've done my internship. But the private practice, I now have to build that. Mm -hmm. Then I'm doing it for a year. And it was at this point, I was listening to this podcast. Um, great guy, selling a couch, Melvin. Um, I actually connected to him, so I know him now. But really cool guy and I was listening to his podcast I was on this long drive going to my sister's in Charlotte and it clicked it was about a year in or almost a year and it clicked oh if you're in private practice you're like an entrepreneur mm -hmm. <laughs> finally <laughs> it clicked and that is when my mindset changed because you can't own a business um, if you're not fully licensed as a therapist or take money but that doesn't mean your mindset cannot change. And once I figured that out, that's when I got more into connecting and marketing and myself as a therapist and the work I do and finding a niche um, in perfectionism. I got coaching and, you know, because my thing was, well, I just need to have the mindset of an entrepreneur and then when I get my full license, it's just smooth. I just change in the business name. Boom. That's it. Mm -hmm. And that's when that clicked. So I would definitely say also having years in corporate and doing this like later on in life had a very big advantage. Um, I actually feel like people might not like this, but I feel like counseling is one of the careers when you can really do later on in life and really excel quickly mm -hmm. because if you have life experience, experience and wisdom mm -hmm. it makes a big difference yes um Ooh. and even some clients they do say that I, want, mm -hmm. I don't want a young person so mm -hmm. um so yeah so that was when things began to change and then you know like <laughs> I explained you know I'm put in this situation where I, I get my license, which is which was another day I actually really cried because I took three years to get there. And then you get the license. And then I think the 2018, the end of 2018, July of 2018, I got my full license. And then the year later, I'm, you know, I'm renting office space and she comes in and says, I'm closing the office. So then now you've got to figure out, yeah. 
So then I had my business partner and we got this office space. And then at the time, it was more money. It was a big increase. And you're like, I don't have the clients. But again, trusting the process and then trusting God. Um, And then now we've just gone out and we've got additional office space across the hall that we're going to rent out. And I'm like, oh, my God, all this money again. Like, but of course, it's way more money than I was spending the last time. So why do I feel like, you know, it's It's something about us. Like (laughs) every time, every time I'm stretched, every time. Mm -hmm. So but it it all works out. Always. Or just it works out. But in the moment, you don't feel like it will. And so you have to remind yourself. And also, let's not, um, we would be remiss if we were to say, like, it all works out just because, like, we just know. We also are doing things that we know we can do, the most things that we can do that we can control. Yeah. And then it works out. So let's, we have to be, like, responsible by saying it will work out and you still move your feet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, we are still scared of it, but we're still trying to figure out how we're going to, all the things we can control, we'll figure it out. Yeah. So I'm a coach, you're a a therapist. I feel like we're like the perfect dynamic duo. There are times when I'm in my um, session and I'm like, we talk about something that's holding you back from, you know, speaking up at work. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, we'll spend a moment, but I'm not your why person. Like I can go there, but that's only taking time away from your transition, right? But I will always say, and I put a post on my, my Instagram. I'm like, give me your favorite therapist because you got to figure out what's, that, what's going on in there. I'm getting, I say all that to say, for us, this is also going back to school. I feel like as helping professionals, it's like we're X-Men and we're going back to like X-Men University to really hone our like superpowers. Mm. I love that. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's such a great analogy. (laughs) I really feel like we are because we know. Yes. We have a, we know the gift. Mm -hmm. We just got to go figure out how to utilize it. I absolutely agree. Um, Someone said that to me once um, when I was thinking about getting training in EMDR, which is eye movement, eye movement and desensitization and reprocessing therapy for trauma. And um, I was having a conversation because they do a lot of trauma work. And I was a bit frustrated because I was like, sometimes I hear people talk about trauma this and trauma that and trauma modalities. But then when I sit and I listen to them, I'm already doing some of this work. Mm-hmm. And so she said to me, because we've gone to Richmond together. And she said, well, Bianca, that's because you're a really good therapist. And you just have a natural gift. You have a natural gift of healing. So some of these things come to you naturally. She just said to me, but what this will do would just kind of fine tune Mm -hmm. just what you're saying, the gifts and the skills that you have. So even in like some of the trainings, it's like, well, I do, but we're just going to fine tune. And so I love and I can relate to that. Because, yeah, I had that recently because I wasn't. But now I, I'm so glad I got trained in them and yeah. DR therapist as well. So. I love that. I got to get into that. You have to help me because I've read about it. Um, but not to get off the topic because, you know, I can. You might not know, <laughs> but I can. Um, your perception of the value of education. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to know um, what your stance is on mm credentials oh right depending 
It depends. I agree. I agree. Because we we had we kind of had a conversation yeah. about this. Um, and I, I, I'll even share a little bit of my opinion because I think I'm a coach, you're a therapist, but I'm also getting my degree in social work. However, if I decided never to get my MSW, I could continue, continue doing what I'm doing and it's good money and it's good transformations. But I believe that honing your skills are important. I believe in education. I believe in skill sets. There's also the school of thought that you can be a life coach and you, you, as your life experience Mm -hmm. can help someone Mm-hmm. Through their transition, which I've seen happen. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm kind of in those buckets. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's kind of what you mean by depending. Yeah. So it depends what you mean by education, right? Are you mm. talking about uh, institution mm. to go do a bachelor's and okay. a master's? Or are you talking about a short course? Tell me both. Tell me your opinion because on both. Everyone doesn't. everyone does not need to be to do a bachelor's and master's. There are some people, they are not wired that way. And there are some people who may go to a trade, right? So you can do electrician, plumbing, contracting, and or you might be a creative person and you're a designer and things like that, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there are some people who study art and they go and study art and there's some people who just do it naturally, right? Every, not even the people who do it naturally. So everybody's path is different, but I don't, ever think that you should stop learning so education and learning to me are not necessarily the same because mm. education in the sense when I think and when I hear education I'm like you're going to go to this classroom or you're going to go to this this course learning is more about um, life mm. and books yeah. and experiences and can be education but yeah. you don't have to be in education to learn yeah now that I think about it, you knew you were going to go back to study, right? So you knew you were going to have some form of sitting in the classroom and educating yourself on a new skill set. Well, what has life told you about yourself? What was that life experience education that you got over the last couple of years that makes you a great therapist? Um, I think... So I, I, I work a lot with perfectionism because of my own stuff with perfectionism. And I think my perfectionism, which is a response to trauma, psychological, emotional, um, and trying to be perfect and not necessary. And the thing with that is you don't look in the mirror because you're scared that you will be imperfect. And if you're imperfect, then you're gonna be rejected. So sometimes there are times when I realize, and but it was always like I was always searching for knowledge and information and something um, that was positive and encouraging. Um, but I think because of my battle with perfectionism, I really did not take a lot of time to sit, reflect, and look in the mirror. And I think I can honestly say that change, definitely becoming a believer, which was here, and when I actually actually um, decided to become abstinent and I needed help and so I went to a group and in that group it wasn't about not having sex it was more about your identity and it was more about the love of God and identity is definitely a ministry everything I go back to is my identity like who are you every time I work with clients 
And I think becoming secure um, in that and kind of like being able to reflect and give myself permission to reflect my permission to see all the stuff I didn't like Mm. um, and become aware of myself. I think in regards to you asking me about life questions, right? Yeah. I almost forgot the question. (laughs) Um, Becoming aware and reflecting and self-awareness has been the biggest thing. Mm. Because you've got to notice your patterns, your behaviors, your thoughts, your feelings. Why am I feeling this way why am I acting this way what like the other day I noticed I was um becoming a bit more obsessive about the food I was eating if it was healthy and like I knew it but I didn't sit down to process and journal and then this week I finally did right and so being aware and then being willing to do the work Mm. I was, I was, it does yeah yeah I I think in my journey the life experience that helps me do what I do was that I got to sit with myself as well mm-hmm. but first I got to experience myself in a different con- uncontrolled environment mm-hmm. and then I got to understand like what is all that? Because mm. <laughs> you ain't never seen that. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about like no emotional outbursts in corporate. I spent 25 years of my life without emotional outbursts. Can you imagine what kind of mm. stuff I was suppressing? Mm-hmm. Girl, my first two years in entrepreneurship, I got to see the best and the worst side of myself. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So why? I can see that. Right. Because just that's so, um, it's very vulnerable. Doing entrepreneurship is vulnerable, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It teaches you so a lot about exposure. yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love exposure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the work that we do, right? Um, whether, you are, um, whether you are an educated helping professional, a trained helping professional, or like just in life experience, just like kids sniff out BS from the jump, you mm-hmm. can't really help your clients mm-hmm. if you don't know yourself. Mm-hmm. At least in this human mm-hmm. form that we're in right now, you have to understand all of this part mm-hmm. to be willing to, to be able to help mm-hmm. another person through their journey. So I feel like that's valuable. Mm. And, yeah. and your clients, I'm sure, benefit from that. Aw, thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, there's so much more I want to get into because um, you, you, you made the leap, you, you took the leap out of corporate. And I'm curious to know the type of woman you were before you became this woman today. Um, I think she was always there. Um, definitely personality wise. I think character is the thing that changes the most mm-hmm. in two different ways. Personality is like, oh, I like this, I'm into this. And character is more about your behaviors, right? and how you treat people. But I think she was also always there. Um, a friend of mine, <laughs> this is funny. She goes to me, do you know such and such? And I was like, yeah. And it was my one of my old um, bosses from, um, from here. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. And she was like, I was sitting on the plane with him. Um, I, I think she was coming from South Africa. And I was like, I was like yeah, because he was 
South African, right? And um, she was like, yeah, I just happened to be sitting on the plane. And I guess I mentioned your name. And he goes, what, Bianca? Bianca Hughes? And she said, yes. And he was like, how is she doing? And she was like, she's doing amazing. Da, 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 da. She's doing business. Da, da, da. And he was like, yeah, that sounds like her. She, I always knew she would go far. So beautiful. Mhm. Mhm. We don't always get that opportunity. Mm-mm. And she told me, and I was like, "That's what you said." And I was surprised because we had a bit of back and forth mm-hmm. with him. Um, we weren't always the best. When he first started, he helped me a lot, and then when he became my GM, it was different. But yeah. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. Mm. So that's. I hope that answers your question. It does. It gives me. I, it gives me a nice. It, it, because what it says is back then, even even still, like you said, she was always there. Your character has changed, so your values have have evolved. Yeah. But to know that people experienced you and before mm. you even became who but you I are, I didn't experience that. But they did. They did. But I didn't. Ooh. Going back to like. You have to have that self-awareness and there was this level of disconnection. I was just going, going, going and not reflecting. Level of disconnection. Mm -hmm. This is so powerful. Mm. Mm. (laughs) I want to do some reflection after this. Okay, girl, I could I could literally ask you questions all day. And I'm always happy to answer. Like I always (laughs) tell people, I don't share information, i.e. I don't talk about myself, but you... Like, I would not freely talk about myself. But if you ask me, I will tell you all day. Uh, yeah, people always feel like, you don't shit. I was like, yeah, I don't sit here and talk about me. But if you ask me, yeah, I'll tell you. Girl, you're so cool. Like, you're just cool. And the fact that you made your transition um, a few years after I made mine, like, in terms of, like, age, mm-hmm. um, it makes you cooler. Because, like, you got so much more wisdom. <laughs> I'm going to call you up like, sis. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, Thank you. Listen. Um, so at before I mean, we all have wisdom. We have to uh, Absolutely. Like I, I love learning from my nieces. Uh you know, they got some today before I was leaving, the three year old. I was like she was in the cupboard and I'm like, What are you doing? She's like, There's some stuff on the floor, so I'm sweeping. I was like, okay. So she had the small dustpan and broom. Then she went back and I was like, what are you looking for now? You, no, 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 I need the bit. So she then pulls out the broom and says, well, I need more. So I need more. And I was like, she's three. Wow. Homegirl is about to be amazing. Yeah. And because uh, I'm saying she got an aunt like you <laughs> when we're kids, mm. we need people around us to haunt to harness that positive yeah. energy. We I never look at my life with, with regret, but we found the pivotal moment to, yeah. to tap into our superpowers earlier and I mean, yeah. later in life. I mean, who knows where we would have been if, like, we tapped into our superpowers at three. I don't don't know. It's not a regret kind of thing, but it's just, like, a trajectory kind of thing. So, with her having the right adults around, like, who knows what kind Mm -hmm. of badass she's going to be. And then everybody's life has different lessons. So, I guess similar to, for us specifically as helping professionals, one lesson, 
I can't even say what I was going to say. What I was going to say is we benefit from having the life experience, so we, we're better therapists for it now. Yeah. But who's to say a person who learns something at three, three years old can't be a bomb therapist at 23? Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. The only thing I think, I do think that you have to want to do it. Mm. And I do think the better therapists, the really good ones, do the work. Do the work. And you kind of have to do some work. I don't know. Yeah. And they're connected to themselves. Yeah. And they do the work. And there is a difference. There is a difference. It's kind of like, you know, people always think everyone's, I was like, everyone is, it's just like everyone's not a good doctor. That's facts. <laughs> mm-hmm. So everyone's not a good therapist. And, yeah. and I don't coach. even think, because they're, yeah, and I don't even think it has anything to do with this person is bad or not. It's just, are you operating in your passion and in your calling? Absolutely. Everyone doesn't feel called to be a therapist but they do think it's a good job yeah it is mm-hmm. but is that what you're called to do is that what your passion is and so i'm always like i think my client i have a lot of successful because um the perfectionism and high achievement so i have a lot of successful clients i actually have to talk some of them off the ledge because they've been doing the most <laughs> but um whenever they come to me and they tell me about their dreams and stuff i'm that one I'm going to push them. I'd be like, yeah, you can, because I've done it. And it might not have the same path as mine, but I just let them know it's possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about perfectionism just a little bit? Yeah, like sure. from a, um, from like a, can you like help us understand some things that we can identify in ourselves yeah, so absolutely. that yeah, we can rectify some stuff. So perfectionism I define as a consistent and exhausting cycle of trying to be enough, right? So it's a cycle because you're constantly going, you're constantly creating goals. Like I said, you're not stopping and you're trying to get this sense of perfection where you'll feel like I'm finally enough. And you, and you feel like if everything is perfect, then I will be okay. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the challenge with that is there is no thing. It's called, excuse me, perfection. It's an illusion. Now there's excellence and people are like, I'm trying to be. No, you're not. Mm-hmm. Because excellence will allow for mistakes. Excellence allows you to be human. Perfectionism doesn't. And sometimes you don't even realize it. It's not intentional. So it could be things like um, anxiety. Um, you're highly critical of yourself or even of other people because then you want your environment to be perfect so that you feel at ease. Um, you could be very high achieving, successful, don't allow for mistakes, critical of yourself, very critical. Um, people with perfectionism can be very critical of themselves. You tend to be black and white thinking. Um, it's kind of hard for you to look in the gray and be uncomfortable and look at look in the kind of gray areas and it it comes up in relationships it can come up in finances it can come up in parenting it can come up in um in in your sex life like there's so many different areas um i think people can connect with people pleasing right um if i can please everybody and if one will love me, then I'll be accepted and never rejected because that's the worst fear of perfectionism mm. is rejection. Mm. So going back to that trauma of I experienced <clears throat> this really deep pain, emotional and mental pain, and I never want to experience that again. So I'm going to be perfect at everything I do so I don't have to do that mm. uh, or feel that pain. Yeah. And so you people please so people like you. 
Mm-hmm. So you won't be rejected. You overextend yourself. You don't create boundaries. You don't say no because you're fearful that they won't like you. Right? You procrastinate because it's got to be done right the first time. <laughs> Listen, what was that? What was that term that we said when we met? Not um. It was it was re- isn't it was the opposite from recovering perfectionist. It was some people say I am a recovered. Oh yeah, a recovered. Did I say that? Was what it was it? What was we saying? Because some people say I used to be. Oh, and it's like we're we're always kind of yeah overcoming. I used to be. It's funny I was thinking about that. I used to do. I used to struggle with perfectionism. Or I'm a recover recovered perfectionist. But I don't use that term. So I think it's more of um, I used to struggle with perfectionism. I'm like, but it 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 comes back up when you're stressed out. It, I think the the perfectionism. I've done a lot of work, but that doesn't mean it doesn't come up in a new project, mm-hmm. something totally new, and it stresses me out. That doesn't mean that it can't rear its ugly head, but it doesn't last as long. Don't <laughs> allow it to um, be in the driving force. It's not as intense, and it doesn't last as long. So you might be in a perfectionism cycle for weeks, where now it might be a few hours or a couple of minutes, and you're like, hold on, wait, or a day. And I think that people just need to recognize that it can still creep back up, but just have the tools and the resources and just know yourself to deal with it when it does. Ooh, that's strong. Thank you. You're welcome. This has been so good. This has been really, really good. I can't ask you to give us any more, but I'm going to. (laughs) There's one other thing, because as we close out of here, um, I always have to end with the, like a word of wisdom. And I typically will even ask, like, as we reach back to those who are on their journey, like, how do we help them? So I love for you to think about, like, what that word of wisdom would be to help that, that young girl um, or younger girl or whatever mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. make their, their transition and, and successfully get through it. What would that word be? Be willing to learn about yourself and about others and ask for help. And ask for help. You cannot do it alone. You're not meant to do it alone. You're not created to be alone. And someone has a gift that you need and you have gifts that others need like our gifts are not for ourselves right and so if you're on this path you've got to help those people who are on it being on it sorry get some mentors whatever the case may be I did not I'm not where I am because I didn't have any help I still have help (laughs) (laughs) and I think yeah be willing to learn and grow about yourself other people just be open and ask for help do not do this on your own yeah. Do not. There, There is no... People feel like, oh, yeah, I did it. I'm just... But you're tired and you're exhausted. Let someone help you. There it is. I think that's enough for um, anyone to be able to watch this, mm-hmm. identify any of what you said in the, their own life, and then take pen to paper and get started. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Or 
Uh, put yeah. your put down the number and yeah. contact you because that's the next thing so hey guys it's Ariel from the work and play podcast if you're getting any value from this channel and I mean anything from the tutorials to the podcast to the random videos that you see on this channel then I just ask that you do one thing please subscribe subscribe and share this to anyone that you think this resonates with and drop a comment below so I know what other things that you want to see next now let's get back to the episode as people are watching this and yes. they're connecting with your story and they either want to follow you because mm -hmm. they just want to continue to watch you grow, yes. your podcast is amazing. Thank so you. they might want to listen to that as well. Yes. Or they might want to connect with you for your services. How, what's the best way to get in contact with you? I would say the best way is my website. Um, my main website, which is BiancaKHughes.com. I always say that, but it can also be authentically be you dot com and so all my social media is on there information um it is the authentic wednesday pest podcast but i am rebranding so if you just stay with me on that um website i'll always put it on there the actual podcast link and you can also sign up for my newsletter if you want more tips and resources about overcoming perfectionism which is on my website too yes. so i'm just going to give you one place and that was AuthenticallyBU.com. Dot com. And that is B um B U B E Y O U. Got it. Yeah. Perfect. So all that will be in the, mm -hmm. the description below. Um as well as in the bio. So if you have any questions, you know where to go. You know how to find this lovely lady. Thank you guys for watching. <laughs> yes. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for joining me, Bianca. You're welcome. I Thank you really for having me. It. Thank <laughs> you. Peace out, y'all. <laughs>